Today I'm reading from Proverbs, starting in chapter 11. So if you want to read along with me, that's Proverbs chapter 11, and we're starting at verse 9. Verse 9 says, With his mouth the ungodly destroys his neighbour, but through knowledge the righteous are rescued. When the righteous thrive, a city rejoices. When the wicked die, there is, shout, there is joyful shouting. A city is built up by the blessing of the upright, but it is torn down by the mouth of the wicked. And then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 15, the first four verses. A gentle answer turns away anger, but harsh words stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wicked makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a, devi but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. This is the reading for today. morning today we continue our uh, skimming through the book of Proverbs and uh, we've been looking last week at uh, more practical aspects of the book of Proverbs which has a lot of well it's God's wisdom to say into our lives last week we looked at listening and today it's the uh, the counter to that it's uh, speech it's speaking and Mike has prayed with us so let's uh, just power on into it. Um, James writes in the New Testament, I guess James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, but he writes these words, that uh, the tongue, although it's such a small member of the body, it has great power and great influence uh, uh, over each and every one of us. And uh, in fact, I would suggest that every single one of us here today has been impacted in some way, either positively or sadly negatively, uh, by the tongue of somebody else that has spoken into uh, our lives. For many, uh, the impact of harmful words have had a shocking and a crushing effect. And this can be from the playful tease that seems to go on and on, right through to constant cutting and demeaning words, the put-down, the intimidation and the bullying and it, this seems to be a, a growing problem, not just in uh, our schools, but everywhere, in the workplace with adults, uh, even in, sadly, in churches, uh, with pastors, people who are there to teach humbly the word of God and yet somehow have grabbed the world's wisdom and not God's wisdom and have sought to use their position uh, over other people to speak harmful words into their lives. And many of us can recall words that have been spoken to us that have stayed with us even to this day. 
And you think, why do I keep remembering that? Why is that somehow replaying in my head? Of course, these words can affect our self-esteem, our attitudes, our strength, our stamina, our resilience, and it can affect the course of our life, sometimes with shocking and horrid consequences. The words that we say have huge impact for either good or ill on others. And that's really what the verse that's on the screen says from Proverbs chapter 18. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's hard to, the first part of the verse is absolutely very clear. The second half, well, what does that mean? It means, I guess, if you, if you love life, you'll, eat the, you'll re, get the rewards of, of, of that type of living. Life will be reaped. But if you sow death words, then death will also, you'll eat the fruit of that as well. But the first part of the verse is really what the focus is. The tongue has the power of life and death. Life and death words. And really that's just the two areas of focus that I want to concentrate on today. Life words and death words. I'm going to do it in the reverse order. Firstly, death words. Death words. The death words come from the mouth of the fool. Proverbs 15 will tell us. And they have huge impact to shape and change us, as I've already said. Uh, I've mentioned last week that, that the relational God has made us relational in his, in his image. And God, being a relational God, has spoken. Mike has mentioned that earlier on. He speaks to us. He speaks, Psalm 19 says, from the heavens. The heavens declare his glory. But he speaks also verbally. He speaks through his word, which he has caused to written, have had written down for us, that we may know him and, know, and, and understand who he is and, and respond to him rightly. Uh, Mike uh, rightly read from Hebrews 12 that in the past, the book of writer of the Hebrews says, God has spoken to us in many and varied ways and now he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir over all things. God is the speaking God and he continues to speak that we would listen to him. But death words, death words starve us of that relationship for which we were created. Relationship with God, yes, but relationship with each other. Death words cause alienation rather than intimacy. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the words that we speak will either lead us towards a gravitational, gravitationally lead us towards intimacy or closeness, let's just say, or alienation. Either, either the two of those, life words and death words. Death words may, of course, harm they will lead to sadness, possibly anger, stress in the other person, anxiety, or in us, withdrawal, feelings of being overwhelmed, depression, feeling alone, isolated, alienated, feeling sick, and playing out in a plethora of things in our body, from headaches, loss of appetite, tightness, aches, pains it affects death words affect our ability to cope and function with life with work with in our concentration we'll have trouble sleeping at night as we replay the things that have been said that have been so harmful and as we possibly continue to worry about the next day or the next bullying encounter 
lowering our self-esteem, shame and embarrassment, thoughts of wanting to run away and hide, of shutting oneself off from others, the thoughts of self-harm. And words stay with us. They come out so easily, but they're often impossible to get back. Well, let's just briefly unpack some of the death words in the book of Proverbs, which the book of Proverbs addresses. And, I'm, and I feel very conscious as I'm standing up here that I'm talking about very deep things and I'm racing through it, which I don't like to do. So I'm sorry about that. But I want to get through what the Bible has to say about how we speak because it's very significant. The first thing is, uh, from the death words, is pride and boasting. And I'll have a lot of slides and a lot of verses. Apologies for that. Proverbs 14, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. And fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. These are people who are mentioned in Proverbs 24, who gloat over their enemy when their enemy falls. And they are addressed in Proverbs 27 with the warning, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Look, this is so countercultural because our world will say, talk yourself up. The world will say, the way to get ahead is to push yourself forward to promote yourself, to tell others just how great you are and all of your achievements. But this is so, you know, climbing the greasy pole, all that sort of stuff. This is just so anti-countercultural. But sadly, the words of the fool are the words which boast of their pride because the fool is generated and driven by themselves and their pride. Why? because they haven't come humbly before God. They haven't treated God as God, the great sovereign, ruler, creator, sustainer of the universe. They haven't come to understand who we are as sinful, in need. And a person who hasn't begun to understand God and who hasn't started to fear God, who won't have wisdom, will boast of their pride. Why? Because they are supplanting God. They are God themselves. So it's just normal to talk about it. It's normal to be proud-driven. Secondly, reckless words. Uh, they are like a piercing sword. Now, as I read this and reflected on it, I wonder, is, is reckless words too soft a word in our own vocabulary? Because it is, because if we look at the effects of that, they are piercing like a sword. Then these reckless words, wow, they're pretty dangerous. The put down, the demeaning, the laughing at, the sneering, the shaming type of words and maybe with a little bit more heat, intimidation, vilification, verbal abuse, bullying, name-calling, and on and on and on we go. Possibly even the withdrawal of communication could be seen as a reckless word when you refuse to speak, to talk things out with somebody else that wants to communicate with you. 
And of course, in our modern world, it's not just verbal communication. But let's just briefly mention the fact that cyberbullying and electronic communications of all variety, of SMSs and emails, all of that sort of stuff, can play out hugely in our modern world, where people, even under the anonymity of, a, of, a, of not even their own name, can, can call out and bully other people and feel safe and empowered in doing so. As James writes, brothers and sisters, if we are following Jesus, this ought not to be. How can a salty spring produce fresh water? How can a follower of God who we acknowledge as King and Lord go around and treat other people not as he treats them? It ought not to be. Oh, this cyberbullying is massive. There's even now an e-safety commission that the government has set up to address issues, particularly not only just particularly of young people, but also of adults and older generations of this cyberbullying. It has a huge effect, and I'm rushing through. But rash words, words that are given without thought. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And like a one who grabs a stray dog by the ears, there's an image, isn't it? Is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. Imagine grabbing a stray dog by the ears. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm glad it's the ears that it's mentioned there that they're grabbing, but I probably shouldn't say that. Stepping out foolishly, rashly, and maybe that was a hasty word. My apologies. Thoughtlessly, uh, death words. We really do need to be careful, don't we? Uh, because we all have different triggers for speaking hastily. It could be when someone presses our buttons. It could be when the kids say or do this. It could be when our boss says or does this. It could be when you see a humorous moment and you jump in like I have just done and go, shouldn't have said that. You see the problem that we have? It's with us because we carry around this instrument in the cage of our mouth called the tongue. And then we have harsh words. Harsh words uh, which Craig read out for us. In contrast to the gentle answer that turns away wrath, harsh words, harsh words stir up anger. It's very easy for us to retaliate Harsh words with harsh words. So easy for us to do this. Um, and I think maybe, uh, I think as men, we need to take particular note of this. Uh, because, uh, you know, maybe it's just the male thing. I I'm not sure. But maybe we need to stick this on the the fridge magnet on the, on, our, on the door of our life, if you know what I mean. Because it's so easy for us as blokes to just get into the harsh words, to lay it down, to tell the kids or, or whatever what for. This is how it is. And uh, we need to take note of this warning because harsh words only stir up anger. The anger, they escalate things. So are you a harsh man in business? 
Our society says, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a harsh man in business. He, he knows what he wants. He gets it. He drives people. And you think, oh, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Is it? Do we carry that on in our business? Do we carry it on in our relationships? Do we carry it on in our family? Do we, do we carry it along talking to our spouse this way, harshly? Brothers, if that is you, this ought not to be. Do we speak harshly to our kids? We're all guilty of this. But it ought not to be. Sadly, our world seems harshness, sees harshness as somehow a virtue, as if that person's got backbone or strength. And sadly, today is eating the fruit of its own foolishness. It's a real challenge. Uh, now, fifthly, we've, we mentioned gossiping the gospel earlier. And I've, that's a phrase I've used for quite a while. I wonder if they've flogged it from me, um, actually, but uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, this is the negative gossip uh, here in Proverbs. Gossiping the gospel means just chatting about Jesus. But this is the negative. This is taking a bit of information that maybe is confidential even and telling somebody else about about the other person. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Gossiping, will gossip lead towards intimacy or alienation? Alienation. Will harsh words lead to intimacy or alienation? It'll lead to alienation. Will rash words lead to intimacy or alienation? It'll lead towards alienation. You want to be alienated in your friendships? Then, you, then play the part of the fool. But if you want intimacy with people and closeness, intimacy in a pure sense, you know, closeness with people, if you want to enjoy relationship, then listen to Lady Wisdom. And don't play the fool with the harshness and with the rashness and with the gossip. The gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Lies and deception, like a club or a sword or an arrow, is one who gives false testimony. Like a madman shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives his neighbour and then says, oh, I was only joking. Death words. So stay away from the fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. Well, there's some death words that lead away from intimacy or closeness and into alienation. But we have also life words. And Proverbs 18.21, as we've already looked at, says, The power of life and death is in the tongue. And if I might, uh, you know share briefly with you that wisdom starts with treating God and, as God and loving others as they deserve. And if I may pop this quote up, which I have found very helpful, uh, from a dear brother. People will only care what you know when they know that you care. As we're thinking about words and life words, life words are to be said in the context of care for each other. 
don't think that we can speak uh, what we think is a word of wisdom into someone's life if we, if we don't care and if we haven't showed that we've cared. So it was all wrapped up in treating others as they deserve, having first treated God as God. Well, encouraging and kind words, words of encouragement. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse or a stubborn tongue crushes the spirit. Pleasant, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Encouraging words. How, how good are we at encouraging people? How good are we encouraging people at, at, well, say at work, in our home, in our family, with our friends, with people at church? You're serving on a team at church. Someone does things sort of not the way you would do things. What are we going to do? Are we going to crush them by harsh words or do we encourage them and then figure out a way of working well together? E for encouragement. Uh, a friend told me uh, that uh, works in the church music as he was teaching us uh, how to uh, many, many years ago. E for encouragement, he always used to say. And I think that's a good thing to remember. And that's, that's the way of the wise. And it's the way of, the, of Lady Wisdom in Proverbs. De-conflicting or de-escalating uh, words. Starting a quarrel... Proverbs 17 says, is like opening a floodgate, like, like putting a jackhammer in the, into the dam wall and the water just goes. Starting a quarrel is like doing that, but a gentle answer turns away wrath, as we've already looked at. It's a de-escalating, a de-conflicting word, a gentle answer in opposition to the harsh words. And then life words, there's giving correction. You might say, well, is this a life word, giving correction? Well, yes, it is. Because if people know that you care, because you do care, you can speak a word into their lives. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We can trust the wounds of a friend if they say, Cole, you shouldn't have said that from up front today. I will say, thank you, brother, thank you, sister. And I will be happy to hear that because I want to treat God as God and I want to grow in wisdom myself and hopefully uh, you are too. So correction. An enemy will try and, you know, say it <laughs> at work. This is what happens in the workplace very often. Not everywhere, but quite often. The enemy, someone who's trying to get your job, someone who's trying to get ahead, someone who's trying to make you look bad, will often present very nicely to you as a good friend. That's the multiplication of kisses in Proverbs 27 idea. That they're the enemy behind your back. They're doing something else. So we're correcting each other. Is, is, a, is a life word when we do it carefully and well and in love. It is, in fact, speaking the truth of God into each other's lives in love, as the New Testament says. And as, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. And finally, we get to what I call teaching words. This is uh, the words that are spoken into each other's lives, particularly speaking the word of God. 
The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. And here I think we see the ultimate significance of life words. These are words that are telling people of Jesus, God's wisdom. Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life, the wisdom of God and the power of God. And as people turn to him, they are saved from the snares of death. And as we speak the word of God to each other, into each other's lives, so we teach each other. So we are helping in building each other up. And Paul writes, you know, let no foul language or no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for the building up of others. Well, we've seen today the life and the death words and the significance of them. But if we start to think, well, it doesn't really matter how I speak, we need to take heed of the wisdom in Proverbs. The words that we speak, uh, Jesus says, show us what our heart is life, like. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth when you are bumped? For out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus says that words in particular will Will, be in, uh, will have its day on the day of judgment. However, this is not a talk about pulling your socks up and trying harder. We need to remember that these words are, are meant to drive us to God, to seek his mercy, to seek his help, to seek his forgiveness. That's exactly what we see in Proverbs, the one who acknowledges his lack of understanding, confesses that he does not have the right knowledge of God, affirming that every word of God is flawless and that God is a shield to all who take refuge in him. So when we fail, don't deny our sin. Acknowledge it before God. Don't hide it. Don't minimise it, but confess it but, and admit it. And there will be forgiveness. For whoever conceals his sin will not prosper. But if we confess and turn from it, we will find mercy. And there is Jesus, the merciful one. And we need to remember too that God has spoken a better word to us than all of the words spoken to us that have had negative effect. Because God says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called God's children. And that is what we are. We've got to remember our status. We've got to remember to listen to the right person and to have God speaking into our life. But these words have teeth and so we're asked above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it keep your mouth free from perversity keep corrupt talk from your lips 
Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your eyes directly before you. I would say to the Lord Jesus, give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Amen.